welcome to today's podcast, Global Citizen Life. Today on the show, we have Kevin Dunlop. And thank you very much, Kevin, for joining us today. It's a pleasure. It's great to be here, Sally. Thank you. So can you give our listeners a little bit of background um, of yourself, your, your journey as an entrepreneur? Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, right now, uh, what I'm doing, I'm a, a business coach or business consultant is probably a better explanation of what I do. And the my journey began as a uh, as an entrepreneur uh, back in back. I would tell you what year it was, but I'll give you the story and then you can guess the year. Uh, I was working as a computer programmer and uh, and I was actually I ended up getting downsized. So what I thought was a, a bad reason, which that started my journey. But I was a computer programmer working on a little project. And some of you may recall known as Y2K. Ah. So that was a little while ago. So guess the year. And it wasn't 2000. No, it was before then, then. <laughs> the year before then. And uh, after, the, after getting downsized and, and the way they the way they let me go, I, I swore I would never work uh, full time for corporate America ever again. And I've held that to be true so far. And my journey began, oddly enough, in, in sales and working for a network marketing company. So, I mean, network marketing is not always bad things. I mean, it does teach you some really good habits and good and good skills if you're working with the right company, that is. Um, that company actually fell uh, fell through uh, a few months later. And I, then that began my journey actually getting into real estate investing. And then eventually I moved from coastal North Carolina to Las Vegas. And I started my own real estate consultation business, which I ran for a good eight years and then after that, after that eight years, then I decided to get my my realtor's license, and I did that for another eight years. And when uh, when I was a realtor, I ended up you know, doing a podcast. I ended up writing some books. And in 2021, after COVID and everything else, I wrote my fourth book, which is all about how to launch a business. It's actually called Launch: The A to Z in Creating a Successful Business, which is like 49 exercises over nearly 450 pages in length. So it's not a light to read, but it is very educational. And after I wrote that book, I was kind of in a transition. I said, what do I wanted to do next? I ended up moving from Las Vegas to North Carolina, not coastal, but back to North Carolina. And that's when I started my company called Optimal Performance Academy, which is a school on training entrepreneurs on how to start, grow, and, and build their businesses. And this is the, this is not like, I'm going to get you 15 new leads. I'm going to make you a, a millionaire and overnight. No, this is how you, how you put together hard work. Like, how do you write your business plan? How do you do all these other little aspects of growing your business? And I decided to do that because I was a teacher at one time. So I like educating people. I like training people. And, uh, you know, well, being a teacher in front of the room and you're you're dealing with 20 or 30 people at a time on a subject that they don't know anything about. And you have to teach them how to get from A to B to C. And when I became a, a business consultant, as well as a trainer with my online programs, that's when I decided, like, this is something I really am passionate about because I do want to see other people succeed. When I was a realtor back in Vegas, um, I saw so many new realtors come out and get into the business. I had no idea that, by the way, if you're a realtor, you're an entrepreneur. You're working for yourself. You may hang your license at a company, but that, that broker is not saying, okay, uh, Sally, I need you to be at your desk from nine to five, and this is the project I'm going to have you work on. They don't do that. You have to go find your own leads. And a lot of people, a lot of uh, a lot of realtors fail uh, in the first few years because they, and a lot of entrepreneurs fail because they just don't have that education. Mm -hmm. So, 
it's um, a bit of an interesting journey, but especially the way it started, a, a lot of times, you know, we we have something that we think is terrible that happens, but it actually turns out to be a good thing. It's just unfortunately, while we're kind of in it, we don't realize that as that one door closes, it actually opens up another door for us. But we have to be kind of aware, open to those new opportunities and not just get stuck looking at the door that closes behind us. What is some of the best things that happened in my life that were the result of something very, very negative that happened in my life? And like you said, that that one door closed. I mean, I, I, this is a little bit not entrepreneurial stuff, but I, I'm going to share this with the audience anyway. Is that? And I joined the United States Navy back in the uh, in the mid '80s, and I went into what was known as the Nuclear Power Program, which is one of the most prestigious programs, at least in that time, uh, for all of the militaries. And I ended up going to my A school, and then I, I messed up uh, one night, and this was on Easter weekend. I won't tell the year. Uh, and I ended up having to spend the Easter weekend uh, in jail and so I can go to court on Monday. However, when I got out and you know, I, I pled guilty to the one charge, well, there was two charges, one was dropped and then I, you know, I, was, I pled guilty to the, to the other one. Um, I, my friend came and picked me up and took me back to base. Well, I was, I'd already missed school. So now I've got to go to captain's mass because they say being in jail is no excuse for you not to be at your post. <laughs> Well, Just because you mess up in the civilian world doesn't time. forgive you for the military world. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I had to write a, a chit to um, to stay into the nuclear power program because that's going to be after my A school. Well, I had to keep a 90 GPA and I actually my, I missed one too many questions on my final exam. I had an 89.86 GPA. I was going to say, I want to put in a second chit for, for nuclear power program. They go, nope, we don't give second chances. So therefore, the whole reason I joined the Navy was now no longer available. And I looked at that again. This is a big negative thing that happened to me. But okay. I, so I went into what was known as a temporary processing unit. I stayed for three months because my, my 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 orders were to go to yeah, I go to New Power School. Like we can't give you these orders because you not go to New Power School. So I've got to send you somewhere. And with that, it ended up allowing me to do because I, mean, I was just sat there for three. I'm like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And they ended up sending me to Yokosuka, Japan. And for the next four years, I was stationed overseas in Japan. So if I went to nuclear power school at that time, nuclear power ships were not allowed to be in foreign ports. So again, getting kicked out of the nuclear power program ended up being one of the best things that ever happened to me. So you just never know. Never look at your, you need these negative opportunities or need in these negative situations as something negative. Right. There's always, you know, some, well, sometimes they're a blessing in disguise. Um, but we don't know until we kind of get through that. And and there's always silver linings, or at least I always try to find a silver lining. And, and sometimes it's hard, especially when we're going through something, whether it's business or personal. But most times, like 99% of the time, um, something good comes from it, whether it's just something that we learn, something we experience. And, and it may not be right away. It could be something that happened that could take a couple of years before, because I truly believe everything in our life, we're exactly where we're at because of the way everything in our life happened. If we would have done one thing differently, we could end up, we would have ended up being in potentially another spot. Well, you watch any movie that has that, that goes like, where you go back and change the past, where are you now? I mean, right. this, it's, it's not a, a common thing in the movies, but it is a thing that is done. I'm not, Mr. 3000, I remember it was one of the movies that did something like that. You go back and change, like, and is it better or worse? And sometimes it's worse. <laughs> Usually it's worse. Right. <laughs> it, it's true. I was um, I was at a seminar a while ago, like several years ago, 
And they were talking about, you know, we think, oh, if I made a different decision. So I can't remember how it, we got on, but he, the, the speaker said, you know, people always say that things would be different and they'd be better. They said, well, if and now I took a job, let's say, and I took this job and um, I moved for it cross country or internationally. And two years later, or a year later, um, the company goes bankrupt. I get laid off, whatever it may be. I no longer have that job. And they said this person was complaining that, you know, I made this mistake. And they said, but you don't know if you wouldn't have taken that job and you could have been going to a different job. Maybe you would have got into a car accident and died. Like you may not have been still alive or that one could have lasted, um, could have been worse. You know, you could still be working, but you may have hated it. Or maybe that one would still go bankrupt and you wouldn't have like, we just don't know. So we can't compare the should have done something because we don't know what the outcome is. We just have to deal with what what we have in front of us right now right and the thing is because i've taken a lot of personal growth classes as well and one of the things was that don't focus on the should have would have could have by focusing on the should have would have could have you're just wasting your time maybe you spend a little bit of time on like okay i maybe i'm a little bit how what did i learn from that mistake maybe i shouldn't have cut that person off in traffic (laughs) or or maybe maybe i shouldn't have made that investment it would have been different or you know because then you know, then then we can say if it if it really tanked or something, oh, I should have done. So the next time I'm thinking about an investment, I need to ask myself more questions, and so I don't mm-hmm. make that same mistake. So then it's a, a learning experience. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so with you, what what do you find with your trainings and stuff are some of the biggest learning lessons of your students? Biggest learning lessons. Um, I think a lot of, and I, I can even go back to my days as a math teacher. Um, that were you know, at the very beginning of the cycle, very beginning of the process, they were not aware that they could do something like that. And at the end of the process, and not only are they doing it, but a lot of times they're doing it confidently. So I mean, it could be like, hey, let's go ahead and, and create an online program. Why well, don't like being in front of a camera? Like nobody likes to be in front of the camera the first time. <laughs> so let's get past that. <laughs> Right. I I have a client right now, too, that started out all excited, like, yes, this is going to be great, going to do it. And it's been about a week now. And she's thinking, oh, not quite sure. Not sure if I really want to. And I said, you know what? I understand that's part of the process. It's that initial excitement. And then the reality kind of hits. And that part of the brain that wants to keep us safe starts giving us that negative, oh, you don't know, what if it doesn't work out? What if it's bad? What if, and it gives us all those negative what ifs. I said, it's part of the process. And sure, some things are uncomfortable because you haven't done them before, or you don't know about certain topics and and things, but that's all the learning process. Like I was saying, you didn't know how to do your job until you learned how to do it. You didn't know, you know, how to write, how to walk until you started to walk and you fell down a few times, some more than others. But we eventually, we figured it out and it became easier. Same with tying our shoes. When you're a kid starting like tying your shoes is hard. And now we just do it so quickly. We don't even think about it. And and that's sometimes too, with starting a new business, doing new things that we have to realize it is hard. There's a learning curve. We don't know what we don't know. We're not comfortable. But after you do something over and over and over again, it becomes simple and easy and second nature. And, and the thing is, and I was just talking to, uh, about this to another person earlier today, uh, ironically, and it's like how many people, and Sally, and I'm going to say I am a victim of this, and Sally, agree with me or, or disagree with me uh, if you want. How many people do you think percentage-wise when they're starting a business feel like they are, they're going, they're actually going through imposter syndrome? Like, you know, almost all. 
I think almost all. I give, I give it ninety eight percent, and it happens quite a few times as well. Especially if you try to do something new, or like, or you're trying to say, "Let me get that first uh, client that's going to be paying me." I mean, everybody's going to be going through this. So the thing is, if you're going through it yourself, you're not unique. Everybody's yeah. going through this. Everybody, even I can't remember who um, I was listening to. It was like a, a podcast, uh, I'm sure. Um, but they were saying like, even some of what we would consider famous people within their fields, even when they're doing well, like they go through that imposter syndrome and it's like, how is that possible? They, they have millions of followers or they've been around for a few years and they still have times of going through imposter syndrome. I know. Cause I, I mean, I've shot a lot of videos, especially since I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, and so I just shoot in the, uh, in the room. I've got a, you know, a tripod. I put my cell phone on the, on the tripod. And I and I've probably shit shot, uh, even when I was in real estate since 2009, I started shooting a lot of videos of, of my houses. And the thing is, I, I still remember, and I, it still happens now, and this has been going on for 14 years or, or, or longer, is that I still mess up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'll be saying something like, that's not right. <laughs> or when but I was in real estate, like, whose address am I at? <laughs> <laughs> and and that's normal i mean even if we look at blockbuster movies or tv shows that have been on for s- several seasons like they'll play some bloopers because even professionals who've been doing it for years playing a certain character for years or acting like they mess up everybody messes up it happens sometimes even i mean we just talk to our friends or our family and we're saying something and like wait a minute no that's that's not what i meant or but that that's not the right word I meant to use, you know, and, and it's, everybody does it. So I, I don't understand. And I, and I do, I get hung up on it too. And I, I get a little bit angry with myself sometimes because I'm like, oh, why can't I just say that word today? Um, but, but it happens to absolutely every single person in the world. I remember a few years ago, this, this was pre COVID, uh, a yoga, I was in, I was doing a hot yoga class in Las Vegas and uh, and the and the yoga instructor said something that was so basic, but it was like bing, like a huge light bulb that went off my head. And uh, it's, it's just talking about people's uh, how you know how people were doing in the yoga class, you know, people falling out and stuff like that. And and I equate this so much out in so many areas of my life. She goes, she goes, <clears throat> people, this is not yoga perfect. I mean, this is yoga practice, not yoga perfect. <laughs> Right. And even, I mean, even though people who've been doing it for years and years and years, they still fall out of their, their moves. They still make mistakes. We all have off days, um, whether it's like even just going to the gym or like I've ran a few marathons. It's been quite some time, but I remember I was doing one and I just, it was just bad. And I, I had like stomach cramps and stomach ache. And um, when we finished a friend of mine, like I pulled out my water bottle and I had only drank like five or 10 ounces of my water. And she looks at me, she's like, that's all you drank. And I was like, today was just a bad run. And it happens. I didn't get all upset. I still finished. Wasn't great time. And I was like, "Hmm, it happens. We have bad workouts. We have bad days at work. We have bad filming days where the neighbor dog is barking. Thankfully, even just yesterday, they were mowing out here. And I just thought, oh gosh, please, please stop mowing. Please stop mowing in 10 minutes. Please stop mowing in five minutes. And thankfully they, they did finish, but I mean, that, that's life. It just happens. We forget things. We mess up. We just can start over or just be like, oh, sorry, I mean, and just correct ourselves and move on. 
Exactly. And that's and that's the whole thing that I've been learning. That's one of the biggest things I've learned for being working for, for myself for you know 20 plus years is that, that things will not always go the way you plan. Be, be okay with that. Um, things will, uh, uh, whatever you can correct, you can correct. It doesn't have to be perfect all the time. It won't be perfect all the time. So stop, the, stop the, uh, living, having that scare you from moving forward because you want it to be perfect. It's just to get it done. If it's not good enough, work on it. And if it's, as we said, in the, as we used to say in the military, well, that's good enough for military work. <laughs> <laughs> or that's good enough for government work. But, right. Uh, and <laughs> it's it's true too, because also what's perfect now when we move forward with the use of technology and everything, it's not going to be perfect in 10 years. I mean, I remember growing up two years. Um, and I'm, yeah, or two I know too, but I, I was trying to like push that out. But even, so for example, what was it when I was young? So I am dating myself a little bit when Jaws came out. Um, so for, for older people, they'll know the, the movie Jaws and that was scary. Like it was even to this day, if I'm out snorkeling or something, I'm always kind of looking around me making because I'm worried that Jaws is going to come bite my legs off. And it's ridiculous. But it was because it was such a scary movie to me at that time. And I was I was like a young child then. But if I went back and watched Jaws now, oh, my gosh, it's so ridiculous. It's so not even scary at all. And but it left an impression. But at the time, it was like one of the best, the technology, everything that they could do. But as we move forward, it changes. So even if like, for one, nothing is going to be perfect. And even if it is the best that you did, that's great. It was the best at the time. But when you move forward, you're always going to look back and go, oh, could have changed that, should have did that. But we don't always have that technology or things um, or even just the confidence of getting used to being in front of a camera. I mean, and that's happened to me when I when I created my first few online courses. Now I was everything had to be perfect. I was so meticulous uh, that everything's go, it had to be perfect. Now that I'm about quite a few pro, uh, programs later, like yeah, I can start together in the afternoon. <laughs> right, because we know we can we can always go back and fix it. We can always update it. We can always correct it. So even just getting a, a video out now or starting your business now and. Um, you know, you're working on it and then you, you find you may, you, I don't like to use the word mistakes um, or failures. You know, you, you find something that there's a better way to do it or an improved way. We can always go back and, and change those things and fix them. There's, there's very little things that are, that are written in stone that can't be fixed or changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, with new technologies and AI and all this other stuff that's, that's coming out and, and it's being updated on a on a weekly basis, basically, um, things will get better. I mean, I recorded uh, a, my first program over about nine to twelve months ago, and I'm, you know, I'm, I've done so many stuff, so many other programs since. It's like it, it, it becomes so much easier because you get the, that experience. Now, when I'm shooting video, you know, I got my camera up there, my, my cell phone camera. I'm already thinking about the editing process. This has to be because I, I understand, like, if I'm going to say something, I probably should pause for two seconds here because I know this is going to be a cut. That, that are going to be cutting later, and you learn that after you after you do it a few times. And and back when I was in real estate, and I had other people shoot videos for my house because I did that a, a couple of times, and they were like, "I'm so nervous, I'm so nervous." Like number one, why are you nervous? And number two, you know, I'll, I'll tell people because how I used to shoot a video was I would stand in front of the camera, I would say, "This is what I call the intro." Hello, this is Kevin. Today we're at one two three Main Street, blah 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 blah. So I introduced the house. 
And then the third part would be the outro. Well, thank you for taking a look at 123 Main Street. For more information about this or any of our homes, go to blah, 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 and I give all my contact information. The second part would be the would be the uh, the walkthrough of the house. So you no, know, I'm narrating as I walk through the house. You know, it, it wasn't picture cuts. It was actually a walk as if you were standing there next to me. We're looking at the ceiling and stuff like that. And when I had people like, I think they're going to shoot a video tomorrow. I go, and they're nervous about it. I, I tell them, go shoot your own house. Go shoot the video of your own house. You're not going to post it anywhere, but you get the experience. You start getting the practice. You're always going to turn right. I'm always going to make that habit. I'm always going right. I'm always going left. Or, you know, you, know what, you start creating those habits. And once you've done that, that experience comes in. And then after you've done it two, three, four, five, ten times, it's going to be so much easier. Like you said earlier, the whole walking, driving a car, or somebody, uh, let's say if you learn how to drive a car on a stick shift for, or a column shift, I mean, imagine that, you know, back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, it, it's it's true. And so you've been doing your business for several years now. And what what do you find in and working with others? What types of recommendations or things um, can people do to find ways to cut costs? Like, are there some some kind of classic things that you find people generally maybe spend too much money on, or there's other tools or things that they could use to to kind of cut costs? If you're, if you're trying to cut costs because you're trying to maintain a budget, then yes, you have to look at your your expenses that you that you have, and are they worth the, the results that that you're getting? For an example, if you hire somebody at fifty dollars an hour to make sixty five dollars, it's, it's probably not. It's, it's, it's probably you're just over leveraged right there. But in the, so you have to look at your end results, and this comes with any kind of cost. I mean, if you're going to start doing Facebook ads, or you're going to stop doing Facebook ads, or you know, wherever you're going to be making a, a purchase in your business, you need to have an outline. And I, and I know some of you people are not that uh, that analytical or not that good with numbers, but you have to you have to understand what your budget is going to be, and if you're going to cut costs, uh, find out if this is going to hurt you, or can you have somebody else do it? Uh, like I say, a virtual assistant, which we in the industry call a VA. Uh, a, a virtual assistant that can go and do that uh, for that job for you at a uh, at a lower cost. And the last thing I, I also uh, look to do, and this is actually increasing your cost a little bit, is find out what are the, the things that you're doing, or, or let me ask it a different way. I'll ask you, what is your hourly rate? What is your hourly rate? $20 an hour? $40 an hour? $50 an hour? They say your hourly rate is $50 an hour. Then, then at the end of the day, why are you sweeping your floors? You're spending an hour, $50 an hour, where you could pay somebody else $10 or 12 bucks an hour to do that, that, that very same task. And then that extra hour that you now have, how can you grow your business even more, further? So sometimes it's, it's increasing your calls so it frees up your time so that you can be more effective in, in, in running your business. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And, and the key thing, though, is... It's not that you have somebody doing something for you so you can scroll through Instagram or Facebook or anything, because then all you are doing is increasing your costs. But it is finding somebody to do those tasks um, that you can hire somebody to do it less, as you said, than your cost, than your time, um, using your time wisely. So then you can be making more money to pay for them and increase your profit at the same time. Well, the, the gentleman that actually explained that to me was probably like 10 or maybe 12 years ago. And, and he was saying, when you're running your business, the, the first person you probably should be hiring, and I'm not going to say anybody that you should go and do this. This is what he said to me. I'm just relating to you. The first person you should be hiring is a maid. 
Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be cleaning your houses. You shouldn't be uh, vacuuming your floors. You shouldn't be doing all, all uh, making the beds, doing the laundry, doing all. That's what the maid's job is. Use your time productively. And, and, and exactly what Sally just said, it does not mean to go and, and stream uh, Instagram or Facebook unless unless you're look, unless you're doing that to look at other people's ads, how are those ads structured so you can actually use that into your uh, into your business. So right. going to Facebook and streaming Facebook is not a bad thing if you're doing it properly. <laughs> right. Not not watching cat videos, although, you know, it's not that I love cats. I'm not against them. But and, and that's fine to watch sometimes if you're really stressed out for five minutes. Not more than that. Um, but no, it is, it is. It's hiring, hiring people to do things. Or I've always said to doing things that you don't like to do. So if there's mm-hmm. some um, maybe like social media, if you hate posting on social media, maybe then that first person you do hire is somebody to take over your social media. Or mm-hmm. if you need kind of a personal assistant for organizational bookkeeping, whatever it may be, um, definitely those also should be one of the first people that um, you consider hiring when when building up some income and, and affording to do that or slightly increasing your cost to make sure things are done effectively because even time, right? Time, time turns into money. So if they save us time, if you, like for me, there's times when I, there's certain tasks I hate doing and I'm just like, and then it takes me longer to do because I procrastinate it. I think about it. I slowly kind of work and it and it's taking me longer than if I were to hire somebody who enjoys doing it and likes doing it, then now it's getting done faster than I do it and it's getting done and I can spend my time working on something that I enjoy doing more. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think Tim Ferriss uh, said it uh, beautifully in his book, The 40 Hour uh, Four Hour Workweek, and he had an acronym in the book and he used the word deal, D-E-A-L, deal. And the, the the D stands for what can you um uh, the, what can you delegate? Mm. What can you give to somebody else? Which is what we've kind of just been talking about. The mm-hmm. second one, again, this could be also how do you uh, how do you reduce your costs? What can you eliminate? What are you mm-hmm. doing that is not being that is not productive and get it out of your system? The third uh, is the, the letter A, and that stands for what can you automate? What can you put on? So they, that is so you just create the system uh, and, they, and just having it going over and over again. And before I say the L, I'll give you an example of this. A personal example of this is I used to uh, own and analyze apartment complexes back when I was doing real estate investing. And I remember getting uh, getting the the, the, the sheet that they the, and I would go through the I would look at the numbers and I would get, get down on hand and I go and just try to figure out you know is this a good deal or not and I did so many of those by hand like when do I take a month off and let me create an Excel spreadsheet and all I have to do is put in the numbers and it will automatically calculate it for me so I took a month off and created a, a thing there that came out with over four hundred equations would be calculated on one sheet of paper uh, granted it was size nine font that's <laughs> really fast font but. <laughs> But it, but it, it but it did the analysis for me. It took me like two or three minutes to put all the numbers in. So even though you spent the time up front, it saved you so much time in the future. Yes. And then the L stands for uh, is what are you going to do with your time, or you call, you call it liberate. What are you going to do with the time that you now have uh, in, in your business? That's part of the whole four-hour work week. Is he delegated, eliminated, automated? It's like I've got all this free time now. Now what I'm going to do with myself? So. <laughs> right. And that could be taking on for some, it could be starting a new project. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, don't know if I've, I don't think I've ever met anybody that only works for, uh, that works a four hour work week. 
um, not, or if they do maybe on one project and they have several, because most times with creators and business owners, we, we find new businesses, new creations, new, new things to, to work on, which is nice. Some people though with family and right, it depends on where, where they're at in life. If you can, you know, do a four hour work week and do well and spend time with your family, you've got small kids makes, makes sense to do that. And, and it just, and those times of our life always changes as well. I mean, I actually, I mean, yeah, I almost say it's rare that people can have the four hour working because you still have to do some kind of maintenance. But then again, if you've got investments and it's already and it's all automatic, then you can be can be that way. And I know case in point, I'm not going to tell her name, but I've got a friend of mine that I've known for several years. She's actually uh, she's written one of the um, uh, testimonials on one of my books now in one of my books. And right now, for the last several months, she's been a vagabond uh, traveling all over Europe and northern Africa. Well, then she's still so, doing something because travel is a fun thing to do. She's she's tried this, but she's she's enjoying her uh, the fruit of her labors. But she was right. a doctor, uh, 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 I think a doctor of psychology as well as a dietary medicine or diet or dietary. I said not medicine. So well, so she put she put in a lot of hours beforehand. Then correct, and that's that's a thing too um, that I think non entrepreneurs don't realize is. Starting out, it does take a lot of hours um, and a lot of time. So either it can go a couple different ways. Either you work way more than your eight-hour Monday to Friday job when you're starting out, or you're you're starting maybe as a side hustle and you're only getting a few hours in. And it, but it takes it does take time to build up a company. And so if you can work 10, 12, 14 hours a day, some people do as, as a startup. And we hear that a lot that because there is so many things to do. And when we just start out, um, I try to explain with, with my family, they don't really get it. I'm the only entrepreneur in my family. And I said to them, I said, well, you go to work and you have your HR, you have, um, you know, your, your advertising or, um, payroll and like all the different things depending upon you but I think you if you think of everybody in that group I said if you take one person because lots of them have more than one but if you take one person in every single department now you try to do all of those things yourself so if there's like 10 or even let's say five departments and they all have one person working eight hours I'm like you try to do that eight hour for five people in one day it's impossible like it, you're just not going to get that much done that quickly. And that's when, as we've talked about the automation, the eliminating, um, you know, hiring people to do stuff for us. But at the same point too, understandably that for most of us, it takes time to get there. And, and we have to put in those extra hours and that time. And so um, what I've ran into a friend of mine, she's starting a, a new a new kind of side hustle and, and she's going through that. I don't know if I should, I don't know. I hate my job. And, and I just said, just base steps. You know, you keep your job, you've got your income, you're making good money from that. Understand you hate it. Don't quit yet. But before you get to that point of just like losing it and quitting one day, let's start to build up. So in the evening sometimes or every Saturday, you know, you, you put in some hours, you start working on something and, and building it up. And then when you start making some money with that, then you can either hire somebody or you wait till you get to a certain point and then you can quit your job. And then you get to a certain point and then you start hiring people like however it's going to work because there there's just so many ways to do it but I never recommend and and some people will but I don't recommend people quitting their job unless it is truly like terrible for their health and and mentally and physically bad for them um to then work on a side hustle and and get at least some income coming in and going before quitting their job 
Well, and, and I uh, basically uh, uh, b- believe uh, the, the same concept is uh, I would tell people if you've got a nine to five job, eight to five, you know, whatever it is, and you are uh, and you want to start your own business, you know, number one, after you figure out that if that business is going to be a viable business, because that's, that, that's a, a process in all of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say you start uh, starting that side hustle. So you work in the evenings, maybe the early mornings, uh, if you're working on your website, you know, whatever it is, uh, you're working on your Saturdays, your Sundays, or maybe possibly even on some non-large holidays like Columbus Day or something. And you're and you start building your business. Once you get your business, your side hustle to the point that you can replace the income of your of your job, then you can then you can make a choice. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm not telling you to do something else. I'll say there's basically a few things you can do. Number one, you can go part-time at the job. You could go, uh, you could quit your job. However, I would never tell anybody ever, 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 ever to quit their job. Because if you've got 19 and a half years uh, uh, into the job and you, you've got retirement coming in six months, don't quit your job. Come on. Don't. <laughs> so yeah. your everybody's situation is different. So, because mm-hmm. uh, the thing is, because most of us, oh, because people would say, you know, get your side hustle too, you know, to, to, so now you can quit your job. No, now you can start making the decision of what you want to do next that, that is best for you. Right. Right. And sometimes too, I, I think a big thing um, that people really need to think about is how much money do you really need? Not how much do you want, not how much for all the stuff you're buying that you don't need. Um, it, it's it's really sometimes we need to also simplify our lives a little bit more than, and, and I have this conversation of like, yeah, but you know, I have car payments, I have house. It's like, well, don't when you when it's time to get rid of the car if it's um leased get a cheaper car or maybe downsize um how much stuff are you buying like how many how much clothes do you really need how many shoes do you need how many things like of course there's things that we have that we love right if if there, there's something you love you love reading and you've got 500 books great buy books read you you love that or if movies are your thing that's fine we still have to have a thing but many times we buy stuff to make ourselves feel good and be happy. Um, and then you think if you're making less money, you can't buy those things and you won't be happy, but it's actually the different. If you're not buying a bunch of stuff because it makes you happy momentarily, but you're doing a job that you enjoy, even if you're not making as much money, you're still happier. And so sometimes I think too that um, we need to kind of reevaluate how much money do we really need how much do we really want to work? Again, through different phases of life, we may, if you know, little kids, you might not be wanting to work very much. Empty nester, might want to be trying new things, working some more. Young before even kids, you could work a lot if you want. Like we, we have to take that into consideration as well. And what, what is important to you and what, what do you really want? Like sit down and think about what will make you happy. And most people say to do whatever I want. Well, what, what is it that you want to do? And they're like, well, I don't know, whatever I want. I'm like, okay, but that's the problem then. What is it do you want to do? Or they'll say, I want to make a million dollars. Well, many people who have made a million dollars, they said when their bank account hit that million, they were like, hmm, I don't feel any different. So if you made that, like, what would you do with that money? Like, and, and to truly question what we want, what would we do? What do we need? And that'll come up with some answers of, you know, maybe working less and not making as much, you'll still be happier and you'll be enjoying more things that you like to do. And, and overall, you'll be happier. And it's something for people to think about. 
going a little bit earlier to what you were talking about, that a lot of people uh, fall into the category of I have to have this so I can do this or be so I can be happy or I or it was have do be or I do this to have this to be this. The thing is, that's all in the reverse order. It's, it's always be do have. How do you want to be and then do it? Then you want, then you want to have it. So it, it's coming from the, the area of, of abundance. Now, this is it's kind of curious that you said that because back when I, because in the early 2000s, for, uh, for a couple of years, I was a part time uh, college math teacher. And I'm going to say something that I did that was not approved by the college that I was teaching at. Because <laughs> a semester is 32 classes long, it's, 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 it's 16 weeks uh, of two classes a week. So it's 32 classes. And I always, when I wrote my syllabus, uh, you know, uh, before the beginning of the class, a week or two before the class, I always wrote it as a 30-day uh, uh, syllabus. So I left what I call two buffer days. Okay. And one buffer day was was specifically for, uh, in case we have to slow down because the concept, you know, they don't understand the quadratic formula and spend a little bit more. So I had an extra buffer day just to make up for that. And if I okay. never used it, guess what it was? It was a study day before the beginning of the final. <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, right. it was going to be used. And then yeah. I had a second buffer day. And I, um, and I remember that this day is optional. I'm going to teach you a little bit about entrepreneurship. Uh, and I have Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, other, and some other books uh, that are there with me. And I would say, I, and I want to give you six homework questions. I want you to do these six questions. I'll give you a month and a half to do it. And if you if you answer the questions and you're thorough about it, each one that you that you're thorough about, I will give you a, a one point on your final grade. That's a letter grade. Yeah. I mean, if you got to be now, you're an A. And the questions were the the first. Third and fifth questions were financial statements. What is your uh, what is your current financial statement as it is right now? If you live at home, what is it right now? You you, you may be working for ten bucks an hour. You know whatever it is. The second question was: Go out and interview the uh, a person that is in the field that you're getting your degree in. So if you want to be a marine biologist, go talk to some marine biologists. Go and research your 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 career. And then do a financial statement based upon where they are at that time, their school loans, their house, their cost, and all. And then, uh, and I forget what the fourth question was, but the fifth question was, um, uh, well, I'll jump to the sixth question. That's the most relevant one. I go, uh, if I were to be, if I were to pay all of your bills, I don't care what your bills are. You live in a mansion. I give you, you want a Porsche. I'm paying for all of your expenses, and I'm going to give you an extra ten thousand dollars a month for free. What would you be doing now? And is it going to be that and become a marine biologist, or is it something different? Right. And, and the thing is, if like we said, this is complete liberation. Because people say, well, when I when I get when I retire from my job, I'm gonna play golf. No, you're not. That's seven days a week, eight hours a day. No, you're not. And Maybe the other, once a week. The other part too, though, is you may not survive to be at retirement. And I've I've known it to happen that people have died before, you know, they've got plans to hit, this one man I knew, planned to hit retirement. He was like a couple of months away and he had a heart attack and died. And when I found out, I'm like, no, he's he's traveling. He's going to travel with his wife. Like they've made all these plans to travel once he retires. And he didn't make it. Yeah, you can't, wait, you can't put it off until summer day. It has to be sooner so than that. Yeah, so we have to be doing things that we enjoy doing that bring us happiness um, before before waiting. 
Well, that, and that's the thing is when you're running a business, one of the things, because uh, I talk about what I call the seven bucket system, which is, you know, seven uh, checking accounts, which is seven bank accounts that you should be having. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. One of those accounts is what uh, is what I call the fun account. It's where like 10% of your uh, of your gross uh, profit goes into that fun account. And that fun account is to be spent every single month. Now you may have you may have a second fund account for like that big trip to Europe or big trip to Alaska or, or wherever. But the thing is, you have that fund account because that fund account, you know what that 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 fund account is for? It is to reward you for all the hard work that you put in, and you're going after some of the your bucket list items that you may have. Right, and you, um, and I, I've heard of that. I thought the one that I heard of was six, but seven's probably could be seven. But also too, and that is like okay, guilt free spending. It's like guilt-free spending and you spend it. So if you want to spend like and the, the way the method that I was heard is you, you could save it up for a couple months, but only a couple. So if you wanted like some, I don't know, like something really expensive piece of clothing or article or whatever, or you just, you know, do something crazy oh on a whim, it's just all guilt-free spending. And you, yeah, mm -hmm. you must, I think it was within three months, you must spend it all. Right. Now, if you're saving up for something bigger, you just put another account. Now, when in my second, no, in my fourth book, when I was talking about the seven, uh, seven bucket system, I do say that this account should either be a, a checking account or should be cash. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, because that way, if you're worried about minimum balances and things like that, because this, this is the account that's going to be going to zero quite frequently. So okay. if you if it's if you have if you're at a bank that charges you a penalty like a checking or a savings, maybe it should be a savings account and just make sure you pull the money out. Um, because you want to, yeah, it, different banks are different. Um, or or leave it as cash. So we got, you know, you put it into an envelope, keep it under the bed, keep it wherever. And then yeah, you just make sure you spend that because you have to reward yourself. Otherwise, you're just gonna work yourself crazy and be like your your friend Sally, that you know, he two, three months from his uh from his dream, uh his waiting 60 years to go and do something. Oh, now it's gone. And now the wife is like, Oh, well, what is she gonna do? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it it definitely is is important, and I like I love having all the opportunities of entrepreneurship and and being a business owner. It does come with a lot um, of work, though. At the same, but everything's a trade off. I think having a job and going Monday to Friday, nine to five, eight to five, or whatever those hours may be, being limited to how many vacations I can take off a year, asking for a day off to do things for me that just doesn't work. I have a friend of mine who does that. She loves it because she says, well, I know how, exactly how much money I'm making every month. And I said, well, you do right now, but what if all of a sudden you go into work one day and you get laid off? I'm like, that's a false sense of security. At least I know that I can do the best I can do if I have to make more money one month, if I have to put in more hours to do something, or if I have to try to get another client. Of course, there's no guarantee, but I can do more work to have a better chance of that happening. You're stuck with your salary, when you get vacation, how many days off you take. Like, to me, that's very constricting. To her, it's security. Uh, back when I was on this buffer day, one of the topics that I talked about in the buffer day is that I say that most people live within their, uh, live within the income that they're making. So if you're making $20,000 a year, you're living for $20,000 a year. If you're making $80,000 a year, you got a nicer house, a nicer car, a nicer things, and you're living at $80,000 a year. If you get a raise, guess what? Your expenses typically go up. For an example, like, oh, I just got a raise of $20,000. Man, we should, re we should redesign that kitchen. 
Right. Or let's go buy that new, new house. Car. Buy that new car. <laughs> Take that holiday. But the thing is, I would say when you're working a job, it, when you get those uh, when you get those pay raises, because people live with live within their means is what I would is what I said at that time. If your means go up, your 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 living your your expenses go up, and, th- and that's just human nature. I'm not even going to say just American right. nature. I'm going to say human nature. Mm-hmm. However, let's let's assume. Remember, this was the early 2000s. I was I was teaching like 2002 to 2003 uh, that I was teaching this. So let's say you know you you're getting advanced and getting advanced and getting advanced. Oh, by the way, when you're going to work this one day, oh, but I forgot to tell you, you work for Enron. You know, okay, now you're going to work one day, and all of a sudden the gates are closed. What happened to your income? What happened to your expenses? You're still there. Still there. And with, no, and with most and people, people without- talk about this. Without the rainy day fund, right? Without the savings for three months or six months till they find a new job, they're paycheck to paycheck, and now there's no paycheck. Well, and yeah, and it happened to to many, and that that's just one example. There's many examples of companies that have done that, um, and and well, so I yeah. was laid off back in '99. I, I gave you the year now. I was laid off in 1999. And um, and what I one of the things that I've learned, and I talk about this on, on on other people's shows, is and it's a topic that's that's called "There's no security in job security." No, you're right. Because you you never know when some when they're going to be downsizing. Uh, let's, let's say you work for Google. Oh, we've got to lay off a, a third of our employees or twenty percent of our employees. Like maybe you, you could be you could be one of those twenty percent. You hear about this in the news all the time. Right. So there is no security in that in the job security. However, if you were to quit the job and say, hey, boss, I'm going to be leaving, most people would give a two weeks notice. Mm-hmm. However, if you're being let go, they usually don't give you a two weeks notice. Oh, it's kind of upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> right now, pack your stuff. We'll have somebody escort you out of the building. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's so on on that note, it's very important, I think, for people to figure out ways to have multiple streams of income. It doesn't have to be a lot. Some take it, you know, and, and we all start a business with nothing, but we we build up, even if you know you're making an extra few hundred or thousand dollars a month. If you still have a job, that's great. You could bank that money. You can save it, invest it, use it for, for you know, big purchases or something. Or if it does happen that you get laid off or, you know, something bad happens, you at least have something where you have some coming in and then you can focus more and build up on that over time. So I, I do think it is important to have multiple streams of in- income. It's It's the saying that a lot of people have probably heard in the past, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And I, I say that to people, it's it's not just investing in just stock. It's for, for me, it's, you know, just having one stream of income, only having one bank account. I think it's important for people to have multiple bank accounts in different countries. So one in Canada, one in the US, one in if they vacation somewhere, we could we could always have multiple bank accounts. Um, you know, where, where you incorporate your business business shouldn't be necessarily in the country you live in for tax purposes, for um, asset protection. Like you don't really want to keep everything you have within the country you live because then if, I mean, we're pretty good in North America, but politically as things change, you might not be so happy. And then the changes come and you have everything stuck in that one country where if we're diversified, then we have more options and more protection and more freedoms. Yeah, I agree. And, um, and, and also, even if you are going to start a company in America, um, 
talk with a CPA, talk with an attorney, uh, because I, I know for me, my, my company is not a North Carolina company. It's a Nevada company. And, they, and there's a reason for that. Even though I don't live in Nevada, I have what's called a registered agent that lives in Nevada that can receive any kind of notices. So you can't, you don't necessarily have to live within the state of which of which you are incorporated. If you're a tangible business, then yes, you will have to get uh, permission to uh, work as what they call a foreign entity uh, in order to, you know, saying that uh, that this is where the thing is. But you can still be you can still be out of state, and I never really thought too much about being out of country because I wasn't oh, sure how tax purposes work. Yeah, generally out of country, um, you you get a lot more tax benefits to it because you could you could register in a no tax country, and then you're not paying any corporate taxes. And now, of course, you would still want you, whatever you pay yourself. You have your personal taxes, and that's based on where you're a registered tax resident. Um, but that varies. But yeah, there's there's plenty of ways to play legally within the rules of the government. I never promote anything that's that's illegal, but to legally play within those rules, just as like Google, Amazon, um, all of those big companies, like a lot of them are, are registered in Ireland, um, Luxembourg and various countries because they have tax benefits and tax breaks to be in other countries. I did not know that. I'm learning something from your show now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And so, and a lot of people like the funny thing is TV and movies in the past used to be like, oh, if you have an offshore corporation, you must be part of the mafia. It's illegal. You're doing all. And that's not true. It's just basically you have a company in a country that you don't live. And most people do it for tax purposes. And it's completely legal. You still have to file taxes. You still have to, you still want your bookkeeper. You want to know what your company's doing. So you're still doing all those things, but it's just registered where they don't collect taxes. Now, when you pay yourself, of course, then you pay personal income tax on whatever you pay yourself, but you don't have to pay yourself all of the profit within the company so you can keep your personal taxes lower. And you shouldn't be. I mean, you're, you want your company to be making more and, and kind of banking some. Um, but it's interesting because then when we think about it, you know, we have to pay corporate tax and then once uh, what's left with that, then we can pay ourselves. Well, now we're paying ourselves also personal tax. So we're paying even more. And then when we buy stuff, we have to pay whatever local GST, HST, PST, VAT, depending upon where you live, you're paying. So you're paying even more tax. So like, that's a lot of taxes. So even no matter what, you're still going to be paying taxes on all the money you spent because every pretty much country has some type of tax worked in there. And then whatever you're bringing in as personal income, depending upon where you live, you're gonna to have to pay some kind of tax with that. So why are we also paying taxes on the money that our company makes? Because it's it's just crazy. So it's something else Again, for other people. Talk to a CPA, consider. talk to an attorney. <laughs> We're not giving tax or legal advice. We're yes, yes, I'm not, no, no, I'm not, yes, I'm not giving any legal advice, I'm just, letting people know that there's options out there and they have to figure out what's good for them, depending upon the type of business they have, where they're located, what they're doing. I mean, it's not just black and white that way. I mean, you, you still want to make sure that you're making the right decision for you, for your lifestyle, for your company. Um, you know, but there, there's just, I think there's a lot more options that people aren't aware of. Well, I mean, I know, I mean, I'm still constantly learning. I mean, I've had mentors, I've had coaches, I mean, I've I've done all of that. I've gone to seminars and webinars and workshops. I mean, it's years and years and years in the, in the making of this. And this is where we, this is where we learn this. I mean, we don't just make this up I and mean, you learn it from somebody else. And, and that's the whole thing's like, you know, what we're trying to say is make sure that you, that you get the right uh, advice, get the right guidance, get an education. Yeah. I mean, 
go there and to be like a like a a sponge, just soak everything that you can up. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's true. As business owners, we constantly need to be educating ourselves. We always need to be yeah. learning. We we can't just stop because that's it's not good for us personally, but it's also not good for our business. And things change. Things are always changing in the world, whether it's technology or new things or even tax laws or like things are constantly changing. We're never going to know everything, but we need to be up on things and finding the right people who know the right things and and staying within those circles. And, and by the way, I'll just give you guys another piece of little free advice. When I told you that the fund account was one of your bank, bank accounts, an education account is another one. An education account is another one. Absolutely. Very important. So on that note, if people wanted to find you, to work with you, um, follow some of your information that you have out there, Kevin, where can they find you? Well, number one, they can find me on my website. My website is constantly growing. I think at the time of this recording, I'm at 57 pages right now on my website. So it's constantly growing. Um, that, that That's going to be at uh, HTTPS, uh, of course, colon forward slash or backslash. We're doing whatever it is. Um, the name of my company, which is Optimal, O-P-T-I-M-A-L, Performance. I know it's a long one. Optimal Performance Academy. Dot org. So optimalformsacademy.org. On the front page, on the home page there, you'll see a lot of the stuff that we do. You can also see all this other menus and stuff uh, on there. Um, like two-thirds of the way down is a, also a place where you can, where you can actually um, book a complimentary one-hour strategy session where we can where you uh, you'll book the session. I, I send you an email with a questionnaire for you to you know fill out some questions so I can understand more about your business before we even get started. That makes me to be more effective when we're with you. And, and and just go and, and look at that. Uh, so just also surf around on the website. Go to our online programs. We've got uh, consulting programs for one-on-one as well as group. Everything can be found on there. The other place you can find us is going to be on LinkedIn. And it's just linkedin.com forward slash with I-N forward slash Kevin, my middle initial A, Dunlap. So uh, LinkedIn, um, for, so Kevin and Dunlap on there. And then, of course, the optimalperformanceacademy.org. Perfect. And we'll put links in the show notes to make that um, easy for, for everyone um, to click on those um, for them. Well, I really appreciate your time, Kevin. Thank you very much. I'm sure our listeners got some valuable information from our chat today. So I just want to thank you very much for your time. Oh, it's been my pleasure. It was a great being here, Sally. Thank you.